welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm joined by my two co-hosts today. I am Anya Crittenton, a writer and editor in Los Angeles. And I am Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. Today is, uh, I would say, our fourth anniversary um, we, st- I think we released our first episode September 27th, 2015. Oh, uh, we- no way. That's amazing. So we are recording just a couple of days after that. Um, just want to say, just before we get into everything, I just want to say like, guys, it's been a really good four years. Wow. It's been so fun. It has not felt like four years. It has not. That's the length of college, guys. That's the length of a presidential term. <laughs> <laughs> For now. Um, but- but yeah, for now, it may, it may <laughs> set a record. Uh, um, yeah, no, so we've been doing this podcast for four years. And I just want to say, like, guys, this has been so good. And I can't wait to keep, like, keep on recording with you guys. Because, like, you're my best friends. Aww. Just wanted to start start this episode wholesome. Um, oh, I love you guys. And I love this podcast. Like, you know, my mom asked me today. She was like, she was like, do you guys, like, make money off this or something? And I was like, no, but, like. I just, I mostly just treat it as, like, a fun way to, like, hang out with my friends once a week, and, you know, people who listen to it, like, that's really great, but, like, I'm not doing it for the, like, fame of podcasting. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's for fun, and it's, like, I, it's such a, it's a great, you know, outlet, but also it's mostly a way for me just to see you guys and see your faces every week, because yeah. without yeah, that, like, now- we wouldn't really have that. Right, because now we all live in different cities mm-hmm. across the U.S. Uh, for yeah. a long time, HT and I were recording in the same room, and then she moved to, to New York City, and I'm still in D.C., and Anya's been in Los Angeles the entire time, so, like, we get to see our our, our best friends every week and talk about, oh, nice. like, what we love to talk about, which is pop culture. So I just wanted to say, congrats on four years, guys. Oh, Yay! I love you guys, and I'm so proud of us and what we've done. Same. I love you guys. So on that note, what are we talking about today, Willoughby? We are doing a film review. We are reviewing Ad Astra, which is James Gray's latest film. Um, If you follow us on Twitter, you may have seen some interesting reactions to it. Uh, Before the recording, uh, this may be the final episode of the podcast. So uh, congrats on four years. Um, (laughs) This may be the thing that tears us apart. Who knows? It might be. It might be. This, this may be it, guys. This may be our endgame. Um, 30 years ago, Clifford McBride, played by Tommy Lee Jones, led a voyage into deep space. But the ship and crew were never heard from again. Now his son, a fearless astronaut, played by Brad Pitt, must embark on a daring mission to Neptune to uncover the truth about his missing father and a mysterious power surge that threatens the stability of the universe. So that's the plot synopsis to Ad Astra. Is that plot synopsis written by Disney? Because it feels very much like the the movie they were trying to market, which is more of an action space opera. Right. That movie sounds more interesting than the movie we got, in my opinion. This is the film synopsis that Google gave me when I uh, typed into Google Ad Astra plot summary. I believe it's like the blurb that that Wikipedia slash Google has when you like search for the movie. Um... So, yeah, the movie stars Brad Pitt. Uh, it also stars Tommy Lee Jones. Donald Sutherland plays a small supporting role. Um, and so does Ruth Nega. 
I'm trying to think of any other big name actors who are in this movie. Liv Tyler, sorry. Liv Tyler plays uh, the, no, not Nameless Wife. She does have a name, but uh, (laughs) um, it's oddly a symbolic wife. Um, And yes, uh, so that's, those are those, that's the cast. I believe it was, um, it was directed by James Gray. Um, I believe written by him too, with a screenplay writer. Oh, I need to look this up. Um, hold on. This is this movie has been in development for a very long time. It was supposed to come out, I believe, in 2018. Um, uh, it is co-written with Ethan Gross. I am unfamiliar with that name. Um, but yeah, those are the, and it was directed by James Gray. This is his follow-up to The Lost City of Z, which I was not a big fan of. I believe, HT, you like it more than I do, and our friend Mike uh, loves it. Uh, Lost City of Z was boring. Um, it was and... definitely... I think that's the theme of James Gray movies. <laughs> oh, my... I actually um, okay. We'll we'll get into this at some point. Yeah. So, so James Gray is known for having these like very dramatic movies about like men. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we get into our opening thoughts, and then we'll go into themes, characters, and storyline later in the episode. Um, who wants to start? I want to start. All right, okay, I'll go for it. <laughs> Okay, so two initial things about this movie and me. My interest in this movie began and ended with Donald Sutherland, who is one of my favorite actors. I'm very fond of him, um, and I love when he cropped up and things. And then he was barely in the movie. So strike one against Ad Astra. <laughs> you can't and then, fully blame it for that, though. I mean, I can. I, I can I, I, he could have been in the whole movie. He could have been Brad Pitt's character, for all I care. Um, (laughs) and then I saw a tweet comparing this movie to Blade Runner 2049, and I was like, oh no, because if you all remember from that review, I did not like Blade Runner 2049. And I I did. I love Blade Runner 2049, and I definitely got a lot of those vibes from this movie too, and that's what made me like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll go. So, I did not like Blade Runner 2049, um, and then I realized, and then after I saw it, after, I was like, wow, these movies are really similar. I fell asleep during both. <gasps> so I did not fall asleep for a lot of Ad Astra. I fell asleep at like two points um, for like maybe like five, ten minutes, five, seven minutes. But like it wasn't like a full sleep. I was like hearing things, whatever. Um, but um, so I was like, wow, these movies are really alike. <laughs> so my, I very much dislike this film. Um, and I have two overarching reasons um, the first is that this movie uh, looks beautiful <clears throat> and does and says absolutely nothing. Um, and I think it would have, if it had to exist, I would have preferred it had been a short film, which I think would have worked much better uh, for its nonsensical plot. Um, and it also promised to say something and then didn't. And I'm also very frustrated because it comes at a time when saying something about the future would have been very pressing and relevant and crucial. And instead, James Gray decided instead to just ruminate on the arrogance of straight white men and how their reckless decisions kill all the people around them. I yeah, think that's the message itself. No, it? no, no, that's a terrible message. Um, 
if I wanted that message, I would read a history book. Um, and then the second thing is that Claire Foy did not suffer in First Man only for Liv Tyler to suffer more. I am so sick and tired of these goddamn space movies being about stoic, angsty white men and their thankless wives or partners or whoever. And nothing else nothing get nothing to do and if you are going to put a straight white man at the center of your space movie at least a fill it out with a really engaging cast like the martian or have a good hook like the martian or moon do something interesting with your film other than it just being about some stoic white man that i do not care about and that honestly seems kind of like a dick and yeah he's supposed to grow by the end of the film but like James Gray never showed us that or never gave us any reason to care or believe in his growth. Wow, I really disliked this film. You really hated <laughs> I it. I really hated it. Wow. I, re- I, I, I don't think impressed. I realized until I started talking about it. Um, but I You're on a roll. Up. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I, I love when you get riled up, Anya, even if I disagree with everything you're saying. Well, <laughs> most um, things you're saying. I do think you have some good points about Liv Tyler, and yeah, I'll no, get into that too. Your points are valid. Yeah. Your points yeah. Are valid. Also, this is the funniest thing because it's the second space movie in which Liv Tyler plays a long suffering wife. I think the second Ugh. is the first was Armageddon, and she's it's Ben so, Affleck's wife. It's so unfortunate. Um, but I, I will get into all of this more because my, my issues with this film really do lie entirely within our three points of like plot, character, and theme. Um, I have issues with all of them. And so I will dive into them more. But needless to say, I think this movie is boring, says nothing. Um, and I'm just tired of white men in space. All right, Willoughby. Yes. <laughs> as a resident white man. As, I... as, the resident, as the resident straight white man. Time for my opinion. I'm interested in what you have to say about Ad Astra. Um, I walked in knowing it wasn't going to be a adventure, uh, like that the movie was promising in the trailers and the and like plots like the plot synopsis I just read. I saw uh, social media reviews that were basically saying like go and expecting like a lot more like like heavier film that is very dramatic and very like not for like i would say like it's not it's definitely not crowd pleasing that's for sure um and i really i really liked it um i liked it because i i mean i was saying i was saying in the chat that maybe because i I, with this film i can't see past my own nose and and that by saying that like i am a straight white man and, and I definitely I don't have the baggage of daddy issues that Brad Pitt's character had in this film, but I can definitely say like, like, there were some relatable moments and there were some like issues that like, like w- about like how uh, this. I mean I don't want to get too personal, but sometimes heavy, heavy real emotions are difficult for me to like d- process and deal with, and like, it definitely like I definitely think you know. Th- that I, I may need to, you know, talk to someone about, you know, like issues. So like th- this movie being about Brad Pitt's character, who is very stoic and very unemotional is also like, th- and, and having that crumble across the stars 
as he searches for his thought dead father um, and having like his like stoicness break across the like throughout the movie and him not being able to deal with his emotions correctly like that part hit me um and i and like like i have a i have a solid decent relationship with my father he is he's pretty good but also like there are issues i mean like i feel like across the board with humanity like parents and kids have always had some you know there's there's issues there you're not going to be 100% simpatico with your parents the entire time and like this movie I didn't have the exact relationship with my with that Tommy Lee Jones had with Brad Pitt, but like the bigger thematic points of having like a dad that it you know with like to- the toxic masculinity and distance between the two and like not being able to share your feelings correctly you know or in a way like I definitely there were like relatable moments to that and so like this film is I I, w- I would say like Anya your your th- your feelings on it being boring are valid. But, like, I think I, for some reason, I think I was, I don't know if I was able to, like, understand what the boringness meant or uh, something. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I like the movie a lot. And I think that the space cinematography was really good. Um, it was, and and I, I like the idea of the theme of, like, <laughs> you're basically on a trip to see your, your father and having all those emotions run through the road trip and the road trip just happens to be set in space. So those like themes of distance are amplified. And so I sort of appreciated like this film with all its themes and like, you know, it could have been set on the ground. Like it could have been about Brad Pitt having to take a road trip across the country to see his father who he thought was dead and turned out to be alive. Um, and I think, and like, it could have been him like on the road meeting all these people that he does and like finally finding like, you know, his way there. And like, so, but I think having it set in space is, he definitely, James, James Gray didn't give, he didn't really care about like the climate change and the issues pressing our world. And I know that was a problem for you. I know that was a problem for you, but I also didn't, so- I never even, I did even like this. Maybe a blind side to me. I didn't even think about that when I was thinking of it. Well, that's the thing. Like, this movie is a very specific story. Very and... specific story that literally starts with a text opening about humanity looking to the stars for the future and progress. Like, don't give me that bullshit if you're not going to talk about it. Like, don't. It, it, don't pretend your movie is something more than it is. I don't think it ever is, like, though. It it is. It is. <laughs> it thinks it's more than it is, and it's like. BS. I think and, it was just. I think he was trying to open it in an in an interesting way of showing that like this movie takes place in the future. Humanity you say is, this is the near future. Yeah, I think that Don't was his way of world building. That was yeah. a terrible world building, man. <laughs> okay. Like your world building is we have an Applebee's on on the moon. Cool. Five out of five stars. Um. Uh, I will no, say, not- I will acknowledge real quick that, like, I realize I'm in the minority here, and this is, like, certified fresh Rotten Tomatoes, and I respect both of your opinions, um, and that this movie is, what just seems to be made more for you guys than for me. Like, I am, I didn't, I had no interest in this film going in, so, like, that also right. didn't help. Um, and then they, like, sent Donald Sutherland away so early, and I was like, the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> um and I will say, like, I think boring movies can be good. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Her, and I feel like that's a very quiet movie and everything. I just felt like this boringness was too boring for me. 
And that's that's fair. That's valid. We're gonna say you're valid a lot. Everyone's opinions are valid. No one is wrong except for maybe just kidding. Art art is subjective, as we all know. We've we've been doing this for four years now. We're not going to all agree on every movie and having a movie like Ad Astra, I definitely when I saw the Blade Runner twenty forty nine comparisons in the film, I was like, Oh, Anya's going to hate this. It was either going to be, oh, Anya's going to hate this or surprised that you liked it. Because I, I definitely think that this is, like, you you know, you have said this plenty of times. Like, you're like, I'm done with straight white men in film. And I'm like, that happens, you know? That's the straw that breaks the camel's back. But for me, like, as a straight white man and having, you know, and having some, like, deeper, like, I don't know. It like it, it hit me, and so I'm I'm trying to be as uh, I would say uh, eloquent as I can be because I I like I'm still having trouble like reconcile all the feelings I had of this movie the entire like a week later because it's a I think it is a complicated film about fathers and sons and how like you think that your dad is God growing up and then at uh, uh, some point you realize that nope you know he is not. He is fallible. Um, and so I think that this movie is like, that's one of its themes. And then yeah, no, I watch another boring movie with Brad Pitt called tree of life. It's the same thing. Oh, I got did not a lot, like that movie. Got a lot of Malikian uh, sort of, uh, Oh, I also don't like well. tree of life. I'm just saying like, if you want sad Brad Pitt having daddy issues, like why do we need another? I will say this is much better than tree of life. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I dislike books, so. <laughs> um, you know, if it makes you feel any better, I fell asleep during Tree of Life, and I did not feel asleep during this movie. So that's... <laughs> Every time I've seen Tree of Life, which has been twice now, um, I've fallen asleep. That's not good. Um, it's the prettiest screensaver I've ever seen. It is a very good screensaver, <laughs> and that opening shot of creation and is, like, one for the stars. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I like... I, those, those are my thoughts as... Uh, as uh, incoherent as they may be. Um, HC, you just came from seeing this film. So yes. you have the freshest take of all of us. I do. Uh, what, is, what is your hot take on Ad Astra? Well, first I want to talk a little bit about Lost City of Z. So James Gray is actually a director I'm not overly familiar with. I, I remember seeing Lost City of Z and I saw it with friend of the pod, Mike, who absolutely adores this movie. And while I, I, liked, like, I liked it, parts of it, I admired it, and saw what it was trying to do, I couldn't bring myself to completely love it as much as him. But what I think James Gray was doing with Lost of Z, which was exploring how a man's obsession can overwhelm and overcome and end up uh, poisoning his a whole life as well as the people around him, I think he pulls that off way better with Ad Astra. Um, what I've come to realize watching both Lost City of Z and um, Ad Astra is that James Gray is specifically looking at our notion of great men. And I say great men with a quote-unquote around it because there's this idea that, you know, there are these men destined for greatness, that they will discover something, that they will be responsible for something. And I think he tries to deconstruct that um, in Lost City of Z the greatness that Charlie Hunnam's character is searching for literally being his own destruction. In Ad Astra, that greatness uh, is 
uh, exemplified in Tommy Lee Jones' character. He is that man who uh, is that quote-unquote great man, and his obsession is the thing that ends up uh, destroying him and, and um, you know, ruining his connections and relationships with the world. And in being living in the shadow of that great man, that greatness, Brad Pitt's character is striving for the same thing. But what this what Ad Astra ends up doing is breaking down what that greatness really means, those expectations that men are destined for this kind of greatness, and saying that this is a poison, this is a toxic view of how what men are destined for, and we should not be looking towards the stars, but looking towards ourselves. Uh, Ad Astra, you know, literally meaning to the stars. And I think that, you know, that title in a sense is ironic because that's what this movie kind of comes around to. And um, that greatness, I think, can also be um, sort of translated to the ideas of masculinity and toxic masculinity that I think are greatly touched upon in this movie. The idea that the stoic man, the man who has no emotions and is connected and is only driven towards a greater purpose to serve, you know, his government, his country, the discovery of of things, that itself, that in itself being bad, or at least, you know, toxic, toxic, yes. So um, what I'm trying to say is I really liked Ad Astra. Uh, I did not find it boring in any in any means, I was actually preparing myself to, you know, go through a slow burning slog. And maybe it's because I've been watching a lot of New York Film Festival films lately, mm-hmm. which are all very slow. Uh, I was surprised to find it, find that this movie was really brisk, a really brisk watch. And I did not, you know, lose my attention or, you know, or become. Uh, bored for any second. I was really gripped not only by this story that James Gray was was telling, but also by the d- really dazzling visuals and cinematography. It is one of the most gorgeous films I've seen this year, I think. Um, and I found it to be a movie that is sort of striving sort of towards some sort of therapy in the way that I think Midsummer did as well in its uh, takedown of toxic relationships. And Tommy Lee Jones' character and his sort of, is kind of that uh, metaphorical, that symbolic idea, that symbolic representation of trying to take down that toxic masculine notions that Brad Pitt's character is trying to grapple with. So, I, but I will say, I do think that James Gray has a recurring problem with his female characters. Ruth Negga's character and the brief period which she showed up, I absolutely adored. But Liv Tyler is very much the long-suffering wife that Sienna Miller plays in Lost City of Z. And I do think that it's an issue. But I will say that this story, this is so specific that I can kind of understand. Um, But... And that it's not going to be a movie that is trying to do everything when it comes to space character dramas. It's telling a very specific, very particular story. Um, And I liked it for that. Uh, So those are my brief thoughts on Ad Astra. I kind of went to touch on some of the themes that I think um, we'll probably be talking about later. 
But let's move on into our spoiler section of the discussion. So we break down our movie reviews generally by plot, character, and themes. Why don't we start off with the plot first? Because I know it's a pretty bare-bones plot. Um, but I also had no issue with it. I thought... It was tight. It was pretty, like... <laughs> it was a pretty straightforward plot. It was... It is on the surface level a rescue mission or retrieval mission um that ends up being a destroy mission at least it's not about matt damon this time although to be fair the retrieval movie about matt damon in space is better i think i think the martian is is more of an entertaining movie but i think that uh i yeah i will not talk about the martian this time anyways (laughs) but what do you guys think about the plot anya please let what are your what are your thoughts on this? I want to know. It's nonsensical and has no consequences, and I hated it. How is it okay. nonsensical? <laughs> Let's um, unpack that. <laughs> I went in and I went in knowing very little about the plot, and all I heard were like space pirates and a space monkey, and I was like, okay, what? And then I it happened, and I was like, what? <laughs> like these pit stops are pointless, and I don't care, and. Do you know what would have been a more interesting film? All the scientists that Brad Pitt used for his own gain. I wish I would have known more about the scientists doing actual work in space than Brad Pitt's daddy issues. Um, yeah, man, more scientists in film, please. Um, I don't know. The plot just, I was like, okay, whatever. Like, your dad's alive cool and he's causing these surges yeah you should go stop them like go do that also they would never send brad pitt on this mission ever like you would never send the son of a man who might be alive on a mission like this of course he's not going to be mentally or emotionally stable enough for this well as you saw they were using him here's here's the thing they yeah they were using him because they thought he would be the only one who would be able to get to clifford but like he just, like, he got there. Like, he didn't have to contact Clifford to, like, get to Neptune. So they could have just sent a team to fucking Neptune and, like, stopped this. Like, Brad Pitt did not need to be involved. And then he got involved anyway. And then he just got people around him killed. And yep. that's the folly of man. That's no. the folly of man, exactly. Cool, cool. I, again, I don't need a movie like this to tell me that's the folly of man. Because I have literally thousands of years of history to show me that white men and their arrogance get people killed. I don't need, I think that's my problem, is, like, all of your thoughts on the themes and, like, plot are accurate, and I think that is what James Gray was going for. I don't care. I'm, like, so, I'm so (laughs) tired. I'm so tired when the stories of women and people of color and queer people don't get told like this. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm done. Like, I'm just, I'm so tired because I've seen this movie before. I've seen this movie so many times before and I've seen it in history and I've seen it in fiction and I've seen it with Brad Pitt who is beautiful and talented and I love him but I'm I'm just tired I'm tired because like I'm done with this Hollywood like I want to see stories that matter and about people who do not get their stories told well and like that's that's my thing is like you guys are right about the themes like yes the folly of man i agree i see it i see it i don't care 
I don't care. I'm tired. Unless it's about the folly of Kendall Roy and Waystar Royco. <laughs> the I one don't white care. man yeah. that you will it, love. Wait, okay. So let's say Brian Brian Cox as the the guy has to go is in Neptune and Kendall Roy, broken man that he is, has to go find him. That'd be a more interesting story. Yeah, of course. It's about my baby Kendall. <laughs> But again, well, succession, okay, succession is a comedy. It's very different. I like brought it up <laughs> just to be a joke and to always bring up Succession. But like, they're very different. You can't compare them apples and oranges. Blah blah blah. Um, but I think that's just my issue. It's like, yes, all of these things you're saying are true, but I don't care. I don't care. Well, I do want to say that. Well, you said before that this is a movie we've seen before, but I don't think that this specifically is a movie we've seen before, like at least in this genre, in this this genre that we usually um, typically see cast in a more heroic light. Um, I think but that... But I guess like why do I need to see... I have seen this movie before. Maybe mm-hmm. not this specific one in space about this specific issue, but I've seen movies about toxic masculinity, about the follies of man. Like why do I need to see another version of that? Like, cool, I've never seen like a trans person in space and like what that well, means for, like, I think what you're doing like, is you're putting on this movie more than it means to carry it's not you know I mean like I understand where you're coming from and I know that you're expecting much more from like Hollywood in general but I don't think that this movie it needs to be like the oh, example of all movie, of Hollywood. No, no, I don't think it does either. And I'm, I don't think any movie, I don't think one movie has to be all these things. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like the reason why I could not, I did not feel connected with this movie is because I just did not care about the story it was telling because it's a story I've seen before and a story I know well and a story that like I've had injected into my life so much that I'm just tired of it. Cause like, I know this story, like I know it. And I like, I, 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 I've seen all these stories about white men. Like, I'm just so, I don't think this movie, like, had to have been all these things. It's just because this movie, I guess, wasn't those things. Like, I didn't care about it as much because I'm at a point in my life where I crave stories that I haven't gotten my whole life and crave stories that I find more interesting and about people whose stories deserve to be told more than this okay like like, i know this is a story james gray was trying to tell but like i don't care i think there are more important stories out there to be told that's fair fair. that's fair i know that's very callous but like (laughs) i'm 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 just tired guys well i will say um, I recently saw, this has nothing to do with Ad Astra, but I recently saw Lucy in the Sky, which by all accounts would be the kind of movie you're looking for. It's something similar in that it, it examines a female astronaut with all of the issues that you usually see in a space character drama about her going through that disconnect, about her realizing the vastness of space and how small it makes her. But that because there is a female astronaut at the center, female character at the center, doesn't make it a necessarily better movie. Oh, um, I've heard it's not very good. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is why maybe, like, a woman should have directed Lucy in the Sky. Yeah. Like, maybe. Yeah. However, Dan Stevens is in it, so I'm going to see it. Oh, Dan Stevens is a... 
I know, I know. He's in a he, he's in the thankless husband role this yes, time. Yes, he is. So he gets um, to play that. He's sweet. He gets to play that. So he plays it's, it's nice. It's nice that men get to finally experience that. Yeah. Wait, um, but I'm still gonna see cu- him. I don't care. He gets cuckolded. I was gonna say, does he get cucked by John Hamm? He does. Yes. With he does. and he has a giant mustache too. That does not do him any mustache. favors. Yeah. So I mean, uh, so I'm gonna like I'm gonna watch it and be very frustrated with what they do to Dan Stevens, but I'm still gonna see it because. Yeah, and also Natalie Portman, who is excellent in the movie. Yeah, I've heard it's a mess of a film, but like I'm still probably gonna see it, and I still probably will find it more interesting. Although wished it was directed by a woman, I'm sure. Maybe I'll just dislike it just as much because it wasn't directed by a woman. I don't know. Anyway, I see your so, point. So Willoughby. Yes. What do you I... think about the plot of Ad Astra? <laughs> I liked it i like i said in my like er, my my overview review i i thought it was an interesting take to have a very uh i wouldn't not introverted that's not the right right word um introspective introspective introspective, uh film set in space because you could have easily done this on on earth like having him go from like Pennsylvania to California or something and just like take a really long journey and deal with his try to deal with his feelings as he tries as he tries to see his dad for the first time in like 30 years so I think that there is an interesting that story there that I think is elevated by the abyss of space um and just having that sort of amplify all his emotions that he uh succumbs to at, at in the midpoint of the film when uh contact is made between uh at least like the Mars station and his dad uh and how he sort of just breaks down it re- there was that it reminded me of that scene in Blade Runner 2049 where Ryan Gosling's character has his like breakdown when I he, love that scene uh, <sighs> when he has like his psych evaluation which I during this film this film is sort of catal- uh, uh uh not cataloged um this film is presented as uh sort of like narration there's narration where Brad Pitt is uh, giving like his psych evaluations and sort of also is like an update on the plot um, and also his like mental state throughout the film. And like, he's supposed to be the celebrated astronaut who's never had a heart rate over 80 beats per minute, which is sort of insane. Um, but it's also supposed to show you how cool, calm and collective he is supposed to be as men are supposed to be quote unquote in, in our society. And as the film, as, as he trods along in space and becomes more emotional and do and but can't deal with it in the proper way because he's never learned how to deal with it in the proper way you see as as space gets more expansive that like the uh, like that emotional drop-off that he has is can sort of be reflected in his like uh three-week like sojourn to neptune from mars which is like sort of insane to deal with um it It was 79 days wasn't it was it 79 days okay yeah, so it was like almost three months. Yeah, three months. What am I saying? Yeah, so like three months of him alone in his feelings, dealing with trying to like take as many mood stabilizers as he can. And I think he was ODing on those. Like he was going through, he was going through it. Brad Pitt goes through it in this film. He does. And by the end of it, he meets his father for the first time in a long time. And I mean, he over the course of the film, you realize that he he always knew his father was sort of not the great man that the public knows him as and it it turned out he's even worse than than the public thinks he like than he even knows like not just as an emotional like uh person to connect to but also like 
just his actions uh, towards the rest of uh, like his crew on the Lima project. Uh, and I like that. Cause I think it was an, I think, I think it's straightforward. It's very apocalypse now, heart of darkness, sort of uh, there's been a lot of comparisons to that. Um, Do not compare it to the great apocalypse now. <sighs> I mean, I think that there are those comparisons that are apt. They're pretty he's apt, sort of, but also I just think Apocalypse Now is fine. He's on a mission to uh, retrieve or kill a, a great, like, legendary uh, military man, and he has a lot of pit stops along the way throughout, like, a, a foreign land to him. He's And he is dealing also with, like, his old, also emotional breakdown. Yeah, I think that's really uh, accurate. What it all comes down to, maybe this is what it all comes down to, I hate Heart of Darkness. I hate that book so much with a burning passion that might be why that might yeah. be why you've, because you've, like you've said you've seen this story before and you have in 1979's apocalypse now right and like i will say at least though with like something like heart of darkness with this plot one of my biggest problems was like watching a movie in 2019 where the decisions of white men get women and people of color around them killed, innocent women and people of color, and the movie does not grapple with that, I have an issue with that. I have a problem with that. I know you're supposed to be like, that's the point, it's like Brad Pitt's arrogance, and like, you're supposed to be like, he's in the wrong here, and like, all these things, but like, I, it never, it never reckons with the fact that, like, when Ruth Nega tells you that, like, Tommy Lee Jones' character murdered her parents, who, by all accounts, were most likely people of color, like, there is a weight to that that this movie, for me, like, does not address and does not grapple with, and it does not explore the gravity of that in today's world. And, yes, you can say that, like, that wasn't the intention of the movie, and so it didn't have to, and, like, that is an argument to be made, but I, I personally just cannot like understand that. Um, and I actually like, will I agree with you on that point because mm -hmm. I do think that he doesn't really face any sort of retribution at the end, especially when he comes comes back to Earth, and it really it completes his his own like character arc, but it doesn't deal at all with like the the lives that are lost along the way during his mission during his right. rogue mission so i do think that you were like valid in that and i do think that that the movie doesn't uh doesn't address that properly enough and i want to know what you guys think i'm sort of getting into character here now i guess but i think yeah they all sort of bleed together in a movie like this um but at the very end of the film like you were talking about he doesn't face any retribution but there is sort of a, a sort of like a triumphant ending when he's doing his psych evaluation at the very end and he's like I will learn to, like, lean on others and share my burdens, and I will, like, share theirs. And you're supposed to, like, glean from that, that he has, like, learned from this mission and that he is going to become kind of a more, like, empathetic and open person. Mm -hmm. And then you see him, like, waiting at the bar for Liv Tyler's character to come in, and, like, she does, and, like, he has this look of, like, hope on his face. And that really bothered me because I felt like that wasn't earned in this movie. Like, I felt like... Especially with the Liv Tyler-Brad Pitt relationship, because, again, we don't know anything about Liv Tyler. Um, and she literally had, like, a scene of dialogue, which is just a video sent to him on a spaceship. Oh, my God. 
ugh. But, like, I didn't feel anything for that last scene of, like, seeing them and him being, like, oh, my God, like, we're going to work on our relationship and, like, it's going to be better and, like, I'm becoming a better person. Because, like, I never felt like that was earned throughout the entire film. Like, I, I did not – I almost wished the movie had ended less triumphantly for Brad Pitt. Mm. Like, I almost think that would have had a bigger impact, I guess, on me personally. I don't know for other people, but, like, I almost wish that, like, this movie and exploring toxic masculinity and the follies of man had ended a bit more with despair and, like, the fact that, like, maybe sometimes you can't always... Which I guess maybe is the Tommy Lee Jones character and, like, Brad yeah. Pitt basically being, like, I, I will not be like my father, but, like... I didn't feel triumph with Brad Pitt. Like, I didn't feel that. I didn't, it didn't seem realistic to me. It didn't, I didn't feel like he actually learned any, like, the movie told me he learned something, but I didn't see that in his character growth. Yeah. I didn't experience that. I get that. And I do think that it is about the Tommy Lee Jones character who, who, that's, that's what the story is for his character. And in Brad Pitt letting, literally letting him go and, like, drift off into the abyss of space that's letting that's him letting go of all the burdens and all the sins of his father um and then like basically allowing himself to get a fresh start on earth uh but i do agree with you that there isn't enough with the Liv tyler relationship at all other than like the flashes that we get which are very typical of that like long-suffering very typical yes so yeah i do agree i would have been more interested actually to see how he would have reconciled with Ruth Negga's character, actually, instead of Agreed. Tyler. Agreed. Like, again, I just, like, reconcile with the fact that, like, decisions you're making are killing people around you. Mm-hmm. And, which is exactly what your dad did. And so you're just following in his footsteps. Like, yeah, you let him go at the end, but, like, at the end of the day, like, to do that, it still took you killing innocent people. Yeah. Yeah, no, my my rewrite of this movie which I still think is pretty great, but I do have issues with that too, of course, is that we don't have Liv Tyler's character at all. Like there's no long-suffering wife, but instead the connection that he has and that he has to um, work at is with Ruth Nega. Like it doesn't have to be a romantic connection, but it has to be some sort of human connection. And that's the only time in the movie where I felt like he had some sort of like empathy and humanity to him that could have been grown out more. Right, because they're both children of this project mm-hmm. that is supposed to search for extraterrestrial life. So when he meets Ruth Nega, it's obviously, it's immediately more clear that he has more chemistry with her than Liv Tyler, even though we don't, we don't see Liv Tyler enough to establish that chemistry. And so, yeah, I agree with you that, like, the female characters in this movie are underwritten. And I think that a, a, a rewrite for those scenes or even an, an extra scene at the end with maybe he doesn't go back to Earth, he goes back to Mars or something where he can reconnect to basically be like, you know, sorry for what my father did to your parents. And let's, let's see if we can, you know, do better. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that that is what the movie tries to convey. I agree that the ending, I, I, I think it hit more. I, like I, I understood and saw what it was doing where he literally lets go of Tommy Lee Jones and I realized, oh, this is one big metaphor. Yeah. And so I sort of was able to kind of like gloss over some issues where I was like, like, oh, he's telling a very personal, very intimate, uh, introspective story about a man trying to grapple with the grief of 
and loss of his father that he thought he had because he thought his dad had died Mm -hmm. and then reconciling with the fact that he has been alive this entire time and also not a good person Mm -hmm. and trying to and while the public is like oh you're you're jim's kid you're you know it's like everyone knows who he is because of his father um and so there is this legacy that he is grappling with uh that like you know there's a lot of shots of tommy lee jones on the set of space cowboy that they used for this film um (laughs) um for him to show to show how like and this is literally uh, a space cowboys reunion between donald sutherland and tommy lee jones although they never share they never share a screen together but like they're both in the same movie um and yeah so it's 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 brad pitt his character living in a deep deep shadow the size of neptune of his father's brilliance and like we're gonna go discover life out and see if we can from neptune and everyone praising that uh, noble, heroic effort, knowing that they'll probably never come back to Earth. And uh, and just sort of Brad Pitt being like, well, I've, I'm I'm becoming my father's son, and I don't know what that means to me, like, and over the course of the film. And then he is able to release and let go. And yeah, the, the, the way the story treats its female characters is not great. And, the, and so he ends it, it ends with, hope in in dealing in sort of this therapeutic way of being like i can move forward now from this from underneath the shadow of my father and i agree that like he did he did kill people and he has not reconciled with that and that is a problem um and i think that you know a sequel or something or the novelization probably would deal with that better and i and it sucks that the movie doesn't do that um, I, I just think that what the what the movie does tell with the, the story between his with Tommy Lee Jones and and Brad Pitt, I think works well. Yeah. Just that 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 alone, which is what James Gray was trying to say. Right. So I that right. things like the female characters and the the people that he the, the the sort of sacrificial lambs to cross the the stars are underwritten and uh, not given the importance that I think you're looking for. And I think that because he focuses so uh, deeply on the relationship between uh, father and son that the other characters get short shrift. Yeah, yeah I want to move on to themes, but I also just want to like take a moment real quick to recognize that I understand that my criticisms of this movie are probably slightly unfair or I guess maybe biased in that like all the things that I want from movies right now are not what this movie was trying to do. And so like I can't like fault it for, like, not being about climate change, because that was never, like, its intention. I think what it comes down to is just that, like, <clears throat> I'm at a point where, like, I want stories about that. And so, like, when there is... I don't really know what I'm trying to say. But I, I, <laughs> no, just, no, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, yeah, I get recognize it. That, like, I understand that my criticisms are slightly unfair. And that I'm not saying this movie had to be, like something completely different like it is what it is and it, it set out what it was trying to do I think maybe I just like was not interested at this point in time in what it was trying to do and so it, I found it slightly frustrating also real quick one last character note what you were talking about Willoughby it made me think about the fact that like uh, like Brad Pitt breaking out of his dad's shadow and like his dad was this big hero but he wasn't really but like at the end of the day like Brad Pitt still single-handedly saved Earth and mm. 
I'm like, for a movie about the follies of man, like, it sucks that at the end of the day, it was still just like, ah, this one white man saved Earth. And all these things that were happening on Earth. This one man. <laughs> and I'm like... I do want to say, this is actually going into the themes a little bit. So I yeah, want to... Go. My my big observation with this movie is that it sits at a really strange place in terms of like how progressive it is. Because I feel like it's a movie that's simultaneously very old-fashioned and also newfangled in what it's trying to do with these old-fashioned ideas and tropes and arcs so it's old-fashioned in that it is about the follies of man it is about a man trying to redeem himself in the eyes of his father but also try to um get out from his father's shadow and that's a story like you said Anya we've seen time and time again but what James Gray is doing in trying to sort of deconstruct that and bring about a new facet to it by making the, the making about the sins of the father and how the, this father's greatness is actually his greatest um, f- like flaw. It's his it, greatest failure. failure. And so I think that's where a lot of frustration from this movie can feel like because it feels so simultaneously like a movie that could be even more interesting and compelling than it is. Um, but I do like that it is making the step in trying to bring about a new facet of these old-fashioned um, ideas. So I can see that. I, I think that's why I that I won't try to explain for for Anya that like for you Anya that this is exactly why you have problems with it. But I do think it's because it has like one step, one foot back in the back and one foot in front. Right. That and it I, has I like lays in an interesting really place. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. I hadn't really considered that. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things about this movie I hadn't really considered until we did this episode. So I really appreciate that from both of you. I still don't like the film, but I appreciate more why people do like the film. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And and again, like the the themes are very pressing and emotional and deep. I think again, it's just like it's themes I've seen before and themes that I'm 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 less interested in exploring these days because I've explored them before and because I think there are just more interesting things to be told. Like again, I do have an issue with the movie that starts out with this thing about like how in the near future humanity has looked to the stars for progress and future and like hope and salvation and we've colonized the moon and and yet it says nothing about that. And the Hollywood Reporter recently put out a really interesting article about why Hollywood movies are not tackling climate change as much, mm-hmm. um, which we will link to in the blog. It's a very interesting piece. And I found myself very frustrated with that with this movie, which, yes, this movie's not about climate change. It's about a very, a very intimate, singular father-son relationship. I understand that. But... I, it's just, it came at a time when we have people like Greta Thunberg and stuff, like addressing the UN, and I have all these things that are happening in the world, and I want to see that, and I felt like there was a bit of a promise of that at the beginning of this film, that, you know, 
was never actually part of the film. You're right. Sure. Um, I think you're and, right because um, we've talked about before how art doesn't um, come in a vacuum. Right. It doesn't. It's not created in a vacuum, and in a sense, Ad Astra kind of feels like a movie from if it were from like 30 years ago would feel so magnificent and amazing. But it's true, like, in the context of today, it does feel like it is from a, another time. Yeah, I It's a bit of a throwback. Like, yeah. I want to I wanna let you guys discuss that. I want to say, I feel like this could have easily been fixed if the Lima Project had been about, like, climate change and the future and, like, the uh, state of the Earth instead of extraterrestrial life. Like, I feel like this could have been fixed like my this personal issue i have with it like if the lima project had been about climate change mm-hmm. it would have just essentially been part of the film just mm-hmm. naturally like could have been... like trying to figure out like figuring out new energy or something like mm-hmm. right like they deal with they deal with antimatter in like a really throw off way yeah. of like we were using antimatter just to discover aliens and i'm like that's not right. really what you do antimatter for right <laughs> so i feel like that could have just been a really easy fix with like instead of aliens which like okay like Oh, I know, Aliens. Yay, the Area 51 raid. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> all those people having a party in the desert. Um, but yeah, I feel like that I would have been, I would have been so much happier if it had just been like that had been the original project. Mm-hmm. And like, it was like this project that was meant to save Earth is now destroying Earth. And what does that mean? And like, can we save our Earth? Like, are the attempts that we make, you know, uh, are they pointless? You know, like, I feel like that would have been more interesting and I feel like you still could have had the father-son relationship Mm, um again I recognize that's not what James Gray was trying to do so like that is a different movie and again it's a little unfair but it's kind of the movie I wanted to see I guess I will say while that would have been an interesting movie I don't I don't know if it would have taken away from the father-son relationship because by making the the actual thing that Tommy Lee Jones' character is searching for so inconsequential, so something that we've seen before, it allows us to just hone in on that father-son dynamic. So, You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's, that's a good point. Maybe I just wanted I wanted a climate change movie and not a father-son movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's I fair. Also, I, would, I want to talk about how I think this movie, I wouldn't say it's necessary, but I do, I think that having a message that, Toxic, toxic masculinity is bad in a very mainstream movie is something that I think we should all encourage yes. because it is Agreed. something that like like the Lego movie too had a very similar message about toxic masculinity and how it's bad and how building up your feelings and pushing them down and not addressing them properly can be a big problem for men in especially in this country and so I think that this movie being about Brad Pitt's character trying to attempt to learn how to deal with his feelings uh, after years of telling him to like, you know, never have a heart rate over 80 BPM or like, you know, he's so calm, cool and collected. He doesn't even think he doesn't even feel and having all those emotions like come back to him um, in like one fell swoop and then trying to deal with that emotion by also meeting your father for the first time in 30 years. I think that, the that theme is relevant in today's world of like trying to trying to have 
better sons and better fathers. Yes, I agree with you completely, Willoughby. And it gives me delight to think of men going into this movie expecting a big space adventure and finding themselves themselves having to grapple with their own ideas and notions of, of masculinity. And I love that. I saw, I, I saw a lot of dads in the theater, and I think the, the ride home was awkward. Yeah. And that's where I, I do think I'm that this movie excels. Are, yeah. I'm just afraid men are not going to get it. Like, get it. Well, I think that's where this movie excels or at least tries to do something because it does take that typical space adventure movie and make it about something else. Make it about something a little bit deeper and more challenging, which is about their own ideas of masculinity and fatherhood. So I think that's where I really like what this movie is doing, what Ad Astro is doing. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think you guys make excellent points and I concede to them, even if it's Hey. Fine. We're still friends after this. Yeah. The Millennial Falcon it. will go on. It will fly we on. We will go on. I, I did want to say everything you're talking about, it, it made me think of um, the uh, movie with Donald Gleason, The Little Stranger, because that movie mm. also tackles toxic masculinity, and I liked it much more. And so, like, I completely agree with you guys that it's, like, a very important theme right now. Um, I guess maybe I just like it in different different genres or different different ways that they are told that's fair because i think you know with with the future and science and space you know you with a movie like this that is something that climate change is is something that needs to be addressed and it's very real it's not a hoax um and so like i totally like agree with you on that like a movie a, a, a science fiction movie nowadays should probably also tackle some issues that are it's real life. It's shocking to me that we haven't had like a definitive one that like. Well, we have, and it was called Geostorm. <laughs> and God. also before that, the day after tomorrow. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. There you go. I just want to say, uh, when the day after tomorrow came out, my dad turned to me and said, "It won't happen like that." Like, yeah. <laughs> well, my, maybe it will. Well, Dad. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so I just want to say quiet movies about toxic masculinity, either this or something like The Little Stranger, I think are important and good. And, you know, sometimes you just like one more than the other. And that's all it and is. And that's fair. With yeah. that, why don't we go into our rating of Ad Astra? Wait, right. I feel like you're going to say something, Willoughby. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I was ready for this. Okay. Then let's go into it. Um, let's go with prof- probably what will be the lowest score first. Anya, what would you give Ad Astra out of five stars? Man, you guys make me want to be a little bit more generous to it. But... No, it's fine. Be honest to yourself. No, no, just because you guys make some really good points. And like, again, I think I don't like this movie anymore after talking to you guys, but I appreciate those who do more. Um, I can understand why like critics liked it I guess yeah even Mm. though it still personally is not for me and I don't like it even though my criticisms are unfair but um I think I'm gonna have to go with a two and a half okay and Willoughby what do you give it out of five stars four and a half Ooh, and I give it four out of five stars so that makes it a 3.7 out of five stars for the for Ad Astra from the Millennial Falcon, not actually representative of the Millennial Falcon's views democratically, but 
that's how math works. Well, you know what? It's, this, this is the Electoral College. We <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get Wisconsin. All right. Let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Willoughby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like in pop culture? Um, not so much pop culture. I was able to see the McElroy brothers live and in person uh, two nights in a row this week. They came to Washington, D.C. to perform two of their shows. They uh, On Wednesday night, uh, they did uh, a live version of The Adventure Zone, which I've talked about before on the podcast in this in this episode i'd say in this show they did they a um a one-off so like a one-shot rpg tabletop rpg set in the same universe as their most recent season but takes place like 20 years before so they're able to get away with like different things without spoiling and also like having just new new and different characters and it was very 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 funny and very good um and then thursday night was a performance a live performance of my brother my brother and me which is their quote-unquote advice podcast where they uh answer questions uh really poorly but also incredibly funny um and that was a really that was a hoot and a half as well um i also got uh, my girlfriend was lucky enough to be in line when they were getting uh, that when they brought out the signed posters for uh, people to buy, and so we have a signed poster of, of the tour. Like they, they, they um, on this the, this year long tour, uh, they do about three or four shows like oh, like every every couple of weeks, and so each batch of shows has a poster dedicated for those tour dates. So it's not just one poster for the year of 2019, but um, so we got one specific to the three shows that they were doing, uh, the two in D.C., the one in Pittsburgh, and it's very good, very cute. I'll show you guys after the podcast, but the the theme of this year has been Become the Monster, which is sort of like, you know, uh, like become the, the person you were meant to be in sort of a positive way, like like just go ham on everything. And so, like, the, all the posters have been very Halloween-y themed and very, like, like vampires and werewolves and stuff. So I'll show you guys the poster. It's very, very cute and very fun. Um, but th- those were great performances. Uh, they were at the at the DAR Constitution Hall, um, and it was a blast. Uh, if you've ever listened to my brother, my brother and me live shows or Taz live shows, it was more of that. It was just very, very funny. Um, and like I can't say any jokes because they'd be so out of context that it wouldn't be even anything mean anything. But uh, I just want to say that I had a, had a really rocking time. And my girlfriend got to experience the McElroy brothers for the first time besides the TV show and a couple episodes of Taz. So and she had a great time, too. So overall, a fun time this week. All right. That sounds fun. That's so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so yeah. glad you got to go. I'm me. glad, too. Um, Anya, what do you really like this week? So I don't really have, like, one thing I really like. Um, so I was just going to share, like uh, – a little collection of things that I've done this week that have made me happy and just kind of share that. Cause I really don't have like a big thing that has really impressed upon me this week. Um, so just real quick, got a new tattoo this week. Oh. Um, I am what? not going to share full details cause I'm going to, I'm going to post that on my Insta later. So I will, you guys can check that out. Um, but I will say it has to do with lavender and Neil Gaiman. Ooh. So that's, the general gist of it um and i'm very excited it it turned out beautifully um so i'm happy with that 
I meant, I meant, I met Ron Clements, the iconic Disney director um, who works with often with John Musker. They have directed films like Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, uh, Treasure Planet, Moana, The Princess and the Frog. Um, and I met him very briefly this week, um, had just a very short conversation with him, but he was lovely and it, it is exciting to meet someone who is a, a true legend to you. My coworkers made fun of me because they were like, yeah, like, you know, we've seen celebrities before and I was like, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> this is not a celebrity, this is a legend. <laughs> so um, that was pretty exciting for me. Um, and then to keep up with my tradition, I'm really happy that Succession won the Emmy for Best Writing because it deserved it and Succession is the best show and I am going to bring it up every week. It's my, my goal is for the rest of the year, somehow bring Succession into every episode. You've in already done some, it twice in this episode. And so. I know, I know. In some small way, I have to do that. Um, but I'm really happy it won the Emmy because its writing is phenomenal and I think it will take home many more Emmys next year now that more and more people are kind of recognizing what a great show it is um so i look forward to its emmy domination yay and that yay. one show is done big bang theory get the fuck out of here yeah finally god and also game of thrones fuck off yeah, I'll pull that one. Um, uh, thank god <laughs> all right um so my really like this week. Oh man, I've seen so many good movies this week, including what am I? Yeah, but also I saw. I'm so torn because there's one movie that I definitely, I know confidently is going to be one of my favorite movies. Just briefly talk about. Okay. Dude, just briefly talk about. So okay. New York Film Pretty Festival cool. is in full swing, and at New York Film Festival, I got the chance to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I love, 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 adore. God, it. Oh, spoke to me at the bottom of my soul and just made me feel like centuries of love poems and sadness and pining were just piled onto me in a two-hour runtime and it was gorgeous and beautiful and I loved it. That being said, the one thing I'm probably gonna, I'm talking about the most is The Irishman. New, Martin Scorsese's new film that stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci is a masterpiece the boys are back in town the boys are back in town the italian boys and the one irish boy this is it's a three hour movie 3.5 hour movie actually three and a half hour movie that is so vast and so epic and so just gripping to watch the 3.5 hour runtime rarely drags it does take a little bit to get into the de-aging effects are a little bit wonky and also take some time to get used to too but I wouldn't really have it any other way because De Niro, Pacino, Pesci are on the top of their game they're fantastic they're marvelous uh, De Niro gives such a quiet and um, contemplative performance Pacino is showy in the most spectacular way that feels like an homage to some of his most classic roles in you know Scarface um and I absolutely loved Joe Pesci who gives a really understated and quiet performance I think his performance is probably my favorite of the entire thing because his is so melancholic that I just adored every every scene that he was in even when there's just a scene of him making a salad I was like I want five more hours of this please 
It's great. It's this meditation on mortality and aging and legacy in a way that feels like Martin Scorsese is taking stock of his his career and all of the great classics that he's done. And it feels almost like a greatest hits compilation in the best way in that he is able to take all of his greatest masterworks and condense it and compile it into this one really fantastic gangster film that isn't, you know, as electric and violent and um, action-packed as his past ones, but deals with it in a way that comes from like an older director that is looking back and uh, looks back at that life of violence and sees what it begets. And it's fantastic. It's really good, now, guys. When you say greatest hit, when, it, when you say greatest hits, how does he incorporate Hugo into this movie? <laughs> well, you know, there's a... Um, <laughs> robot no there's no robots <laughs> there's no automaton <laughs> there's no automatons um but no it's it's really fantastic it really feels like a magnum opus for scorsese and um a swan song for all of his cast let's get his boys back together i really loved it and um uh there's also great food in it too it may be really hungry uh, it's a lot. A lot of it is just Al Pacino eating ice cream. He loves his ice cream. He what? plays Jimmy Hoffa, and his and his Jimmy Hoffa is just a huge ice cream sundae fan. Half of his scenes are just him eating ice cream, and the other half are him screaming "cocksucker" at people, and it's great. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm so excited to see this. Although I have to admit, I'm more excited for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I think you will love Portrait of a Lady. Um, but it's really interesting that this year our two like legendary directors who are mostly known for their violent violent films um taking a more contemplative and slow burning look at them interesting yeah i'm 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 here for it yeah quentin tarantino with once upon time in hollywood and then well there's also there are also some similar beats that aren't great in that there are are like two lines given to the female characters amongst both films um it's bad but yeah the three main guys, great. And um, I love it. I think, yeah, I think you guys will like it a lot. So Yay! that's what I really like for this week. HC, right. when does it come out? Because this is the film festival, but this isn't the premiere. Yeah, for both like, films. When did it come out? So late Portrait of a Lady on Fire comes out in U.S. theaters on December 6th, 2019. Meanwhile, The Irishman uh, is actually a Netflix release. So it'll be out on Netflix in uh, at some point that I will be looking up right now. And it comes out on Netflix on uh, November 1st, 2019. Oh, wait, no, that's a lie. The, there's a limited theatrical release on November 1st, followed by the Netflix premiere on November 27th. So if you can, catch it in theaters. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Um, That is our episode for the week. If you guys have any thoughts on movies like Ad Astra, if you've seen them, or upcoming movies that you're excited about, like Portrait of a Lady on Fire or The Irishman, um, or any other podcast you're listening to, with like including the McElroy Brothers, and um, if you've seen any podcast shows, or just little things that have happened in your life recently that you've enjoyed, come chat with us about all of this and whatever else you want to. Uh, and where can they do that, Willoughby? 
You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com, and you can rate, review, subscribe, and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.